Welcome to Dog Talk and Kitties 2. This episode features one of the three guests on my hour-long NPR show, heard every Sunday on WLIW-FM 88.3, the only NPR station on Long Island, where it has broadcast continuously for 14 years. I'm Tracy Hotchner. I wrote the Dog Bible, Everything Your Dog Wants You to Know, as well as the Cat Bible, Everything Your Cat Expects You to Know, because I care about people who care about cats, dogs, and other creatures who share our planet. I'm also the founder and director of the New York Dog Film Festival and the New York Cat Film Festival, which travel America and Canada supporting local animal welfare groups. I could not bring you this show without the support of Dr. Elsie's, the privately owned litter and cat food company founded by Dr. Elsie, a feline-only veterinarian who's created a variety of litters to please any cat, as well as inventing clean protein cat foods based on the protein found in cats' natural prey. This show is also made possible with the generous sponsorship of Waruva, the family-owned foreman pet food company named after their rescued kitties, Webster, Rudy, and Vanessa, where all their recipes in cans and pouches are human edible because they're made in a human food facility. Good enough for you to eat, but your cats won't appreciate that. I'm happy to welcome to the show Ashley Hermans. She's the Director of Animal Services in Bostrop County and runs a spay-neuter program but has big plans on the horizon. Welcome to the show, Ashley. Thanks for having me. Well, you have some some big plans. Uh, The Board of Director for a private nonprofit, which goes well outside, um, the animal services for the county, which is more of a, a like a civil servant, isn't it, in a way? And the other is more you can you can have more freedom to do what you want. Uh, that's that's exactly it. Yep. So you know, I I do work as the director of the local, you know, county animal shelter, which you know once upon a time would have just been referred to as the pound. Um, but right. you know, we we try to be a, a true shelter um, for the animals in our community, but yeah, there are limitations with that that come with that, uh, being a, a municipal government entity. Yes. Um, we are funded, but <clears throat> other things that we might want to do above and beyond that scope, you know, I, that's where I've found that outlet through the private nonprofit. And we've actually already invested in property and we want to build on 15 acres, an animal care campus where we'll be able to not only provide sheltering, but also uh, spay-neuter wellness services, uh, wow. you know, just greatly increase, you know, what we're able to do for the animals and, and obviously the people as well in our area. Very unusual that you're wearing both hats. I commend you for it. The, the, the men and women I've talked to that work running county shelters, wherever they are, are kind of have, feel as though they have their hands tied, and they do. They, they can't be a no-kill shelter because there's space limitations and money limitations. And depending on the community they're in and the poverty levels, I think it sort of boils down to that. It's really hard to feel that you're moving the needle much, yet a private animal welfare group or wishes for animal welfare has the freedom to raise money and do things in a way that appeals to them morally, ethically, and financially. I think it's fantastic that you can wear both hats and important for the people doing the private nonprofit to understand how heavy your burdens are in a municipal shelter. It's 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 pretty grinding, is it not? 
Oh, yeah, I'd say that's probably putting it mildly. Yeah. I think a lot of us currently, especially here, you know, we're in the south. Um, we have weather that permits animals to pretty much reproduce year-round. And and so that is very, very, very taxing. Um, we are just east of, of Austin, and so we have a lot of influence there. We have a lot of population, but we're much more rural. A lot of people out here live in mobile homes, don't have fences to contain uh, animals and things of that nature. So we, there's a lot of, of pressure uh, on the meager facilities that we have, and they're quite old. Um, but at the same time, because we have a ton of growth happening here, there's a, a lot of pressure on the county government to provide other resources that are desperately needed. So, you know, they we work on like what they kind of call like a five-year plan. So they're planning pretty far out. And right now there's no timetable to take animal services into consideration. Wow. And uh, yeah, I just, I didn't have the heart to wait and not, you know, try to do something else. And I feel like this is going to be the best way through a private, uh, you know, public partnership, we can move forward, get some projects done privately. And then again, we can avoid some of the things that you encounter when you're a government project. Yes. Um, the limitations in bidding and, yes. you know, contracts and things that just drives up the cost a good, you know, 30% just the second you slap that label on it. No um, kidding. So we'll be able to do... Oh, yeah. Wow. We'll be able to do a lot more with, with, with less, hopefully. Um, and then ultimately, um, it will be, you know, a, a county run, like the shelter. You know, we don't, the, the nonprofit's not set up to become, you know, an operational animal welfare organization. It's tremendous to have all of that support of the county. We have an HR department. We have a county attorney. Right. right. You know, we've got county benefits for all the staff. It's terrific. But they just, Right now, we don't have, um, and they also, the state legislature in Texas has limited um, tax revenue without really thinking through some of the limitations. They limited it to a percentage of about 3%. However, we're growing much quicker than that. Um, so, I've heard so that Austin play. itself is so fast growing that property there, it's interesting, so different from your mobile home uh, sort of area, rural that it that property's unaffordable. That it's become such a you know a groovy, fabulous, marvelous place to live. So that has to yeah. be kind of for some a, people. Yes, absolutely. exactly. Yeah. It has to the be ones a, who can afford it. Yeah. yeah. So do those people want? Uh, are those the people that you're partly going to turn to to help fund this wonderful 15 acre facility? Oh, absolutely. There are some deep pockets, fortunately. Uh, in our area and that we will be, you know, tying into through a capital campaign, you know, coming up in the next <clears throat> few years. Um, we're actually going to have a needs assessment presented and we'll have um, some architectural drawings nice. done for us that we'll be able to show them besides just the property that already exists. Um, we'll be able to really give people a, you know, an idea of what we're, we're shooting for. And I think that will, will go a long way to helping us get there. Do you think that this is going to be also helpful for you to retain your staff at the county shelter? Because as I understand it, county shelter work is so difficult. There's so much euthanasia that has to be done and animals that come in in pretty rough condition because they've been neglected, malnourished, abandoned. Do you think that having this beautiful place, this animal care campus, will be a way to kind of give R&R to your staff, let them see some light at the end of the tunnel, maybe? 
Yeah, I I certainly hope so. I hope they know, you know, that the fact that they know that this is something that's being worked on, um, hopefully can provide a little bit of that for them even now. But when we get to move to the new property, um, hopefully we'll, we'll notice a big change. Um, right now we're kind of, <laughs> oh, it's sad. We're, we're off of the major roads. We're tucked away where nobody can really find us. We're very close to a rendering plant. Oh, my God. Um, yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it's not a desirable place, but that was where pounds were were built. Always, yes. You know, yeah, yeah. That's kind of the joke, because, like, are you near, like, the, you know, the water treatment station or the dump or, you know, the jail? Or That's right. That's yeah, right. So we, yeah. yeah. It's very typical. And so we're going to move away from that, move on to one of the main roads right in the central to the county. And, you know, hopefully I'll never have to hear that, like, the statement, right, which I hear is recently last week, oh, we have a, you know, animal shelter here? <laughs> yeah, we wow. sure do. Because many people don't even know it exists. Isn't that something? Because Austin Pets Alive is very well known, yes? Oh, terrifically. And, and they're a great resource for us as well. But they get a ton of, of exposure, celebrity support, yes. volunteers. Of course, they have a, the, you know, the, the base of people residing right there. Um, but, you know, they get to operate as no-kill. They have a lot of great programs for you – know, if we have a puppy that tests positive for Parvo – we don't have a, a Parvo ward where we can safely separate and house and treat them for that. But pretty much without exception, we'll, we'll be able to get them over to the APA Parvo ward. Um, other, you know, medical issues or animals that come to us that have been, you know, gravely injured, hit by cars, things like that. They, they are very frequently um, where, we're, where we are able to get those animals help. So that's actually really nice to have. Nice to have, but a strange dark and light side, like you're looking through kind of a murky glass and thinking, wow, this is how the people on the other side of the tracks, if you will, are living. And this is how the animals I'm serving and the people I'm serving were forgotten. We're sort of in the kind of, you know, hidden away, something ugly and unpleasant, but necessary because... I think it's really important yeah. for people to understand. I've always on this show and in all the work that I do said, no kill doesn't really mean anything because it means that you can cherry pick the animals you take in. So it's only the county shelters who have to take all animals. And that means many mm-hmm. undesirable characteristics, whether they're mental, physical, you know, medicinal. And I think it's yeah. it's kind of an, an ugly reality that under the under like under the bridge, if you will, they're like up on the hill. They're having this happy life, and yeah. Austin Pets Alive is so fancy. I mean, in a very good way. I've had them be the the beneficiary of the Dog Film Festival when it was in Austin. If I'd known about you, I would pick a county shelter. But then the county shelters uh-huh. aren't allowed to take money from something like a Dog Film Festival, at least in some states. So while oh, well, we we don't have that problem. Thank goodness. Oh, good. Well, and then I appreciate that support because you're completely correct. So many people, um, you know, it, it, they may not know we exist. They may, you know, want to support no kill without realizing, you know, the desperate need that that you know some of um, certainly a lot of our animals face. Uh, we do. We take in the sick, the abused, the abandoned, That's the neglected. Right you know, everything that, that is out there and, and a lot of it that's not good. The ones that find us are find us because they are in need. And so it's it's typically not a pretty picture. 
kind but of we a do last. Very well. they, you you do the best you can, but I just think it's so important for people to understand that supporting no kill and having some sort of uh, an opinion or a judgment or a criticism of a so-called kill shelter mm-hmm. that just means what animal yeah. shelters are, as you said, Ashley, pounds always were. It's a place where animals who were kind of discarded in every sense of the word had to be taken care of out of the sight of, of you know, proper people. But those animals yeah. will always exist. They'll always be poverty and they'll always be lack of access to spay neuter and to medical care, whether it's there isn't a clinic or the people just don't have the time or the money, they're just scraping by. You have a wonderful person who's on the board of the project who has Save an Angel. It's a private organization mm-hmm. that does that does public spay neuter. Can you talk a, a little bit about the good works that he's doing? Yeah, so um, Jeremy Parks and I work very closely together. Um, I built one of the first projects I was able to do was build a medical clinic on our property after um, one of our buildings was, was damaged in a wind event. And I built it with the intent of hopefully being able to add those kinds of services. And when it was ready, he was there with his group and they stepped up, you know, hired a doctor, hired the techs and set up their clinic and, and got hit the ground running just, the day that it was available to them and have done a tremendous job, thousands of surgeries, which has been unbelievably helpful to us. Um, I think the number is something like 2.7 million surgeries were not spay and neuter surgeries were not performed during COVID because of COVID restrictions. Oh my goodness. They never slowed down one day and neither did we. No we, kidding. We kept you did it anyway. Operation. We did it anyway. We bought all the drugs in advance, had wow. everything ready, and Good just kept you. going. We did, Good for didn't you. Never stop. Well, nobody told the animals that it was COVID, so that's right. They and and they didn't tell the animals. And for every animal that you spayed or neutered, you saved the suffering of thousands that would have, in that mathematical way, wound up being born and then reproducing and being born mm-hmm. and reproducing. That's really wonderful. Yeah. So. You have really found light in the darkness. You've really found a solution when there wasn't one being offered to you, even when there was new plans for all the money flowing into Austin, Texas. You're like, okay, thanks for forgetting us again. We are going to do this ourselves. I just think that that can-do spirit and that positivity has to make you, I don't know, someone who gets some kind of major humanitarian award. It's really hard to do. It's easier to just say, listen, we're just here taking in the animals and give them one good day before they have to die kind of thing. I mean, that's what happens, right, in a lot of places. People just feel so hopeless and helpless. The ones who are supposed to be giving a little help and hope, no one's supporting them. I do hope that people in Austin will learn more about what you're doing. Sounds like having your architectural plans and having a little sort of presentation to look interesting and real is going to go a long way. You only need a couple of overly rich people to get you there, right? And and who knows what overly rich means, but that they have a lot of extra dough they would like to spend. No kidding. I always joke because, you know, um, Elon Musk has Tesla, you know, within a stone's throw from us. I always say if he wants to design it, he can make the whole thing look like a spaceship as long as he pays for it. I don't care. So who knows what will happen? I'm open to anything. Well, is um, is we, Elon, are those people, at, are, are the, the Tesla car folks, are they at all interested in animals or only in 
non-animate objects? Well, I, I, I hope so. Um, they have other projects such as NeuroInc, um, which does involve animals. Um, they've got the Boring Company, SpaceX, and a lot of that actually is going to be developed here in Bastrop County, at least some. Ooh, nice. Uh, probably among. Yeah, so so as soon as we're, we're ready, I'll, I will do my level best to reach out and, and you sound, engage that interest. You sound like can. a woman who has no problem knocking on doors. I mean, the fact that you've done this private-public uh, kind of a bridge is really rare in New York City. For years, New York City Animal Care and Control was considered simply dreadful. I never personally physically went, but the description sounded mm-hmm. like the worst kind of shelters slash pounds in the Deep South. Just horrible facilities, you know, just massive intake, massive euthanasia, no choice but to do that. And something called the Mayor's New York City Mayor's Alliance for the Animals came along, which was a way for private people to send in volunteers, to raise some money, to do some fosters. But you're doing something physically. You're actually creating an alternative physical facility that's basically a building with a roof called Hope. I mean, I think it's amazing. I really do. I've never heard of anyone else doing anything like that. And so you should know that what you're doing is really unique and one-off. And, and I hope that some other people listening that have shelters, county shelters in their area, either volunteer at them, adopt from them, or even work at them, can, can turn to what you're doing in Bastrop County and, and realize that there is hope. It just takes at least one very strong-willed person to do it. And I admire you for that. So congratulations. Well, thank you. I really appreciate that. And I, I do hope that it's a... a kind of a model that other people will just kind of take and be like, I can do that. Yes. Because they can. They They can. It really just takes one good person and a few good people putting a little wind underneath their wings. Thank you so much, Ashley Hermes, for being here and for all the marvelous work you're doing on behalf of the animals. Thanks for listening. There are a few more special companies that make this show possible. I hope you will support their products because they stand behind my mission, which is to educate and inspire while entertaining. Earth Animal, which is privately owned by Dr. Bob and Susan Goldstein, creates holistic pet wellness products with an emphasis on their stewardship of the Pet Sustainability Coalition. They make many non-chemical products for the inside and outside of your pets, as well as innovative foods like no-hide and the hybrid dry food wisdom, which sometimes is all that my blue wine runner, Maisie, will eat. My other sponsor is Cradle which makes CBD calming products to reduce stress for dogs using broad-spectrum CBD from U.S.-grown hemp, formulated with a proprietary blend of nutraceutical ingredients. My Wanda Weimaraner couldn't get through thunderstorms without their cradle melts. And I'm grateful to Evermore Pet Food, which is privately owned by two extraordinary women who cook dog food from the most pristine human edible ingredients and ship it to your door in frozen pouches. It is higher quality and more ethically sourced than my own food. Thank you for listening. I hope you've enjoyed this one guest version of Dog Talk and Kitties 2, and we'll listen to other episodes sometime soon.